1: We made a sacrifice to do that. I mean, we, we do miss much of L.A. Uh, as much as we love our new place. And we miss mainly our friends. You know, that was our whole life. So we abandoned our life as we knew it to make more family time. And most days we really think we made the right choice. Sometimes, you know, we miss our old life a little bit, but we know it's the
0: right thing. Dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids & Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill. And today, we're talking about structuring your financial plans to live your best life now. Sometimes we're fully focused on what our life will be like when we retire. That retirement zone all the way out there. What it's going to be like. But we put off the opportunity for more happiness today. Our guest today recently had that epiphany and he's here to share with us what we can do about it. Joe DeSanto is here with us today. Joe is a semi-retired finance, business, and real estate consultant who traded in his nine-to-nine lifestyle in California for a more relaxing and family-focused life in Florida. Now he's sharing a lifetime of fiscal know-how via Play Louder, an invaluable resource that helps individuals and business owners increase their net worth, which we're all about on the show, and plan better for their future. When Joe isn't helping others with their finances, businesses, and real estate, he loves spending time with his wife and son. Welcome to the show, Joe.
1: Hey, what's happening, Andy? Thanks so much for having me.
0: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So let's talk about this nine-to-nine lifestyle in California. What did that consist of?
1: It consisted of a lot of work,
0: which, you know, I'll admit off the bat
1: was not a bad thing for a long time. I really enjoyed my work and my my wife and I actually worked together in the entertainment industry by and large. We owned a post-production company with, with some of our great friends. It consisted of essentially making movies, documentaries, television commercials, music videos, all sorts of cool media. It was a great, great gig. I mean, it was something I wanted to do and made it happen and was successful at it. So no complaints there, but, you know, life is long, you know, you can can kind of get tired of anything I've learned (laughs) as much as you love stuff if you do it enough hours in a day. And then really what happened more was that we had a kid and all of a sudden, you know, the ability to spend, you know, all the time we wanted and needed on the business became very curtailed very quickly And it just became this very difficult balance. So, you know, we did that for about, we left LA when Luca was almost three. So we we did it for three years, but it really was sort of a a kind of, in all honesty, a bit of the the unraveling of that part of our life and kind of pushed us to start a new version, which we're also loving and enjoying and, and happy we've done but it was, it was just a lot of work, a lot of fun, but a lot of work. But it worked out and we were happy to do it. No regrets there for sure, but we're we're happy with what we're doing now.
0: I like how you talk about it in phases or sections, you know, of your life where it's okay to make some changes from the the typical grind or the typical way you've been doing things. So during those 3 years that you were in LA, Talk to me about what it was like to be a young parent, you know, working the major hours and trying to figure out how to also have some family lifestyle as well. Yeah, well, it, it was just tiring. <laughs> I mean, parenting at the beginning
1: is we only have one
0: child. Anyone who
1: has them obviously knows at the beginning it, it's extremely tiring. But, you know, before before that, we you know we would leave for work, you know, early. I mean, L.A. is a lot about commuting. No, our commute wasn't too bad. But even though we weren't very far from work, you know, you go, it takes almost an hour to go 10 miles in Los Angeles. So you spend a lot of time in the car, but we would work until at least eight o'clock every night. And then often we would just go out to dinner after and kind of, you know, partly to avoid the traffic, but partly to meet the demands of our work. And then all of a sudden, after we had Luke, it was like, we're trying to get home at like five o'clock. I mean, you know, it's pretty much standard up in Los Angeles. If you have a demanding career, you you get a nanny. And you're essentially having someone else care for your kids a big portion of the time. And that's what you have to do. I mean, and it's not just l a. it's it's any anybody who's got a demanding career. But you're wanting to do your best as a parent too. So you're really just trying to get home. You're trying to like cram all this work that you used to have a lot more time to do into a shorter period of time. And it's just, and then of course you just have, you're tired, all those things. And it just was adding up to, to be really challenging for us. It just like all of a sudden, like all the, we kind of all the fun got sucked out of our work, our work. And it was just like this thing that we had to go get over with so we so we could get home to like address this new responsibility that was more important to us at the time. And and also, you know, in regards to anything, is like we loved her. Nanny. we felt we got extremely lucky. We still FaceTime regularly. She's part of our lives. She, like, honestly, I think she she really enhanced Luca's life in a lot of ways. But nonetheless, it's like there's no there's no substitute for spending as much time as you can as you're the parent of your child. So we were like, gosh, this just seems a little crazy that we're working so hard and we're not even able to spend as much time with Luca as we should be. There was, you know, not a judgment, but in our mind, we're like, maybe we should try to do this a different way. I don't know. It, it seems like impossible to do that, to like, you know, unwind ourselves from this life that we've built. But, you know, maybe we can do it if we really want to. And it just, I don't know, it kept gnawing at us, you know. And And being I'm into personal finance, I always have been, you know, we've been kind of thinking about this early retirement thing for a while as I got more into the blogosphere, I kind of learned about the fire movement and, you know, we started to see, you know, more people were doing it than we thought. And so that kind of pushed us along and it just kind of kept nagging at us that maybe we should try this as crazy as it is and as nutty as it sounds. And many of our friends were like, what are you, what are you doing exactly? Like you're, you're gonna move? I don't, I don't understand. Like you got it all dialed in here. That just and it doesn't make any sense. And I, we were kind of like, I know it, it doesn't make any sense in many ways, but I don't know. We've been talking about it at home for two years now, and we're like, you know what? Time to stop talking about it and time to commit and and give it a try. And we're like, hey, if it's a disaster. We would say to ourselves, we can always come back. That's actually practically almost untrue because once you unwind yourself from what is required to live in LA at a certain level, it's hard to, We would be hard to get back into that, I would think. But anything's possible, right? But luckily, we've enjoyed the journey so far and that's not our plan, so.
0: Talk to us about the plan then. In California, you said, all right, we're going to make a change. What steps did you then take to choose Florida as your home? Well, we didn't choose Florida at first, to be honest with you. We originally
1: chose Austin, Texas. And the reason we did that is because, a couple reasons. There is a bit of an advertising and film scene in Austin, Texas. We had been there many times for South by Southwest and film festivals and other advertising related work. And we knew some people that had moved there kind of from our group of friends. So It seemed, you know, like a good a good step. I mean, our goal ultimately with the moving was to reduce our overhead so we could work less and have more family time. That was the bottom line. And, And it seemed that Austin could fit that bill. We also, being that we've invested in real estate a lot in our time, we had a rental property in Austin and it really needed a renovation. It was a good potential time to sell it, but we we're like, hey, let's go down there. The tenant had moved out. Let's go down there. We'll, we'll fix it up and we'll live in it, you know, because it's right there. It's already in our possession. Hey, it'll be easy. And then if we like that area, great. If we don't, we maybe we'll move after a year to another area. So we do that. We rented an Airbnb about a couple miles away we ended up moving there. We were in this Airbnb for three months and we're doing the renovation. And while we're doing the renovation and living in Austin, we're just like, I don't know, we're just, we're just not feeling it. I mean, believe me when I tell you, this is not how we want it to feel because getting to this point was like pretty intense and dramatic, you know, extricating ourselves from our lives. And and so to end up in a place where we were not really happy was like kind of a you know a downer, but we're like, okay, well, this Airbnb is up in three months and and actually we tried to renew it. We couldn't, they had already booked it. And we're like, well, either we're going to move into this house and just stick it out. You know, even if we're not feeling it or we're going to bite the bullet again <laughs> and move somewhere else and like give it a shot somewhere else. You know, and we're like, we've come this far. Do we really want to commit to settling into a place we don't like? You know, it may be in Austin's defense. We were we were in northwest Austin, pretty far outside the city, so it was very suburban. We also got there in August, which is like the hottest time, you know, in the world. We were coming off California, which has amazing weather. And 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 another thing that Californians don't appreciate, I don't think, is California has no bugs. When you go to a place from no bugs to a place with bugs, <laughs> it's very traumatic. Absolutely. It's <laughs> like, wait, am I going to be living with bugs? Bugs now forever? (laughs) Like I can't believe there are no bugs in California and we never actually paid attention to that. That's such like a big selling point. So we're like, all right, well what do we miss? we kind of missed the water. We wanted like a small town like main street vibe, you know, and we that just was kind it's kind of hard to find in Austin and the one place it exists is extremely expensive. Almost as expensive as Los Angeles. And when you add on the the double the property tax that Austin has, you're like, well, we're not even achieving the cheaper thing. So we're like, we went online and we wrote we typed in reasonably priced seaside town with a charming main street. <laughs> And we came up with a list of like six towns that, you know, sort of fit the bill. And we're also looking for low or reasonable property tax and hopefully no state income tax, because that was the thing that Texas had going for it. We came up with this list of six, but the truth is like we didn't have much time to go see them all because one, we were trying to get this renovation done in time. And, you know, and you need to monitor those things if they're going to get done quickly and a reasonable cost. And, you know, we just only had a few months left. So we're like, well, let's pick the town that seems like the most promising, you know, because we like more of a Caribbean vibe. And we picked Dunedin and we're like, all right, we're going to Dunedin. Let's go for a week. Let's just hope that it's awesome. (laughs) And we got here and we drove around, you know, for the first couple of days. And we're like, you know, this this town is kind of awesome. Like this actually is what we're looking for. Like the downtown of Dunedin and the surrounding neighborhoods are just they're just beautiful. And it's right on the Gulf and the Gulf. Honestly, like compared to the Pacific, like with a kid, like the Pacific is very, you know, it's cold and it's very like wavy and it's, it's really not that fun for kids that are small, but the Gulf is like the Caribbean. You can walk out into the Gulf, like a hundred yards. You're still like up to your, you know, your waist or your belly. It's like a big swimming pool. That's an ocean for kids. So we were in the Gulf and we're like, yeah, this, the Gulf's awesome. Wow. This is really nice. So we were just, you know, we decided we liked it. It was risky. But we're like, you know what, this seems like a better shot than staying in Austin right now. And we've come this far. We've committed to doing this. Let's let's just try to make it as good as it can be. And we packed up again three months in. And that time actually was funny because the, the way I on the way to Austin, we used like a moving company and all this, and it was expensive. I had never moved with that much stuff. You know, my last moving was to Los Angeles 20 years earlier, which all my stuff was in a was in like a Honda Civic. So it was like, you know, I'm like, we can't spend that much money again like on this move on moving again. So we did the second move, like the cheaper way, where we rented a truck and and loaded it up. Anything we couldn't fit in this 26-foot truck, we got rid of. I drove the truck from Austin to Florida, and Kristen and Luca flew and met me there. And that was significantly cheaper. So if anyone's, like, thinking about moving, like, hit me up, and I'll, I'll give you the details on how to do it, like, the most efficient way. That's not super painful.
0: Well, let's talk about the changes now from your current life in Florida versus California. Obviously, you said a big part of the move was to reduce expenses, reduce the overhead. That way you can maybe have a more manageable life. So talk to me about how your lifestyle is different now versus what it was in California. I guess both from a a reduction of expenses side of things as well as just what your day looks like.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, now I work at home. We consider us kind of semi-retired in that we need to work. We could make a case for not working at all. But frankly, I like working, number one. And like I, I don't want to stress too so much about it, but I work essentially part-time. And I've been lucky in that I've been able to put together a new line of work as a consultant, which is something that, you know, is something I can do from home. And it's also like mobile. I mean, right now with COVID, mobility is not, you know, like a top of mind for (laughs) everyone. We had plans to do more traveling. So our goal was to achieve some sort of mobile work. And so now, you know, it's like I commute right down the hall and, you know, I only work three days a week, about eight hours a day. The rest of the time, I kind of work on the blog. My wife and I do that, and but that's not paying work, really. That's, you know, long-term goal. But I can go have lunch, you know, or like Kristen takes a break. She she used to be an editor and was working full-time, too. Now she's stay-at-home moming the whole time, and, and we work on our blog together. But... I can like tag her out for an hour and a half for two hours, midday, hang out at the Luca, you know what I mean? We do whatever, maybe we go scooting or we play games, you know, we just actually have a relationship and then she'll go for a walk or do some extras or whatever and then come back and then I'll work for a few more hours and then we get to have dinner together. And it's like, you know, we're actually spending a lot of quality time together you know truth be told it's like and i you had mentioned this i think in one of your podcasts it's it's intense you know being being home with kids all the time kids are it's the hardest job i mean you know people say that like kind of i don't know in casual ways but i really think that it's totally true because it's physically demanding but it's also mentally demanding to like Maintain a good connection with a with a child when you're an adult. You really have to keep your mind in the game. That's actually hard to do. Really hard to do. And do you know do well? You know if you're trying to do it at a you know at a at a good level. I mean if you just throw an iPad in front of your kid all day, that's that's not as hard. But <laughs> if you engage with them, <laughs> that's hard. But you know that that is the biggest change. Now is what we were going for and. and we we made a sacrifice to do that. I mean, we we do miss much of L.A., uh, as much as we love our new place, and we miss mainly our friends. You know, that was our whole life. So we abandoned our life as we knew it to to make more family time. And most days, we really think we made the right choice. Sometimes, you know, we we are like, miss our old life a little bit, but we know it's the right thing. You know what I mean? And for me in particular, I am much less stressed, so when I'm with Luca, like I'm actually there, you know what I mean? Like before I was just, you know, I was like this guy that was sort of like around on the weekends, (laughs) you know, like this random sort of tertiary character. But I was also like on my phone, I was thinking about other stuff. I was worried about things, you know, I was just stressing out a lot. And it's really hard to get in the mode of kid mode, you know, when you got all these things that, are intense rolling through your head you know you're not really doing it you know and even still today with my limited work i that's challenging sometimes for me but it's like i can do it you know 10 times you know more effectively so and it's funny this is a cool story but like previous to moving like, Luke has always been a mama's boy, and his mom's awesome, so that's not surprising. I was a super mama's boy, kind of still am, I guess. But, you know, she'd be like, "Do you know, on the weekend, you know, do, go do this with your dad. Go do this, you know, hang out with daddy, whatever. And he'd be like, I don't want to hang out with daddy. Daddy's so wacky. <laughs> and I, we'd be like, what, you know, what is this wacky, wacky thing? And I You know, I'm like, I guess I kind of am a bit wacky, you know, if you know me socially, but... That's not what he meant because we're not hanging out like, you know, having drinks or whatever. But we eventually we kind of realized what he meant was I think I was grumpy. But anyway, we cut to like six months into the move. And I, we swear, I swear to God, like out of nowhere, it, just, it seemed like it was completely out of nowhere. I do not even think we were talking about it. Luca just goes, Daddy's not wacky anymore. And we were like, whoa, holy crap. Did that just happen? Was that like? Is that what we think it is? Because it's pretty cool if it is. I mean, who knows? But I would say, I would say for sure it is, you know, it's like I I was all of a sudden like there every day and more, more engaged. So, so that's, that was pretty awesome. So I, you know, we feel good about it, but the whole thing, you know, it was, it was a challenging thing. You know, I would say for anyone who's thinking about doing it, like don't underestimate how challenging it's going to be, but also like. If you're in the midst of it and it's tough, you know, it it gets better. You know, you you just got to stick with it and you come out the other side. And I think, you know, we've come
0: out the other side quite well and we're very happy about it. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsor. I guess, amass enough wealth or get yourself into a financial position where you had the choice to do this semi-retirement. So what did you do in your life in order to get to this point?
1: I like to say that you have to be financially prudent, business-minded, and investment-focused. Those three things in concert are the key, and that's why I do personal finance, of small business, and real estate consulting is those things. The investment part is... And for me and for us, mostly real estate, but it can also be stocks or, you know, public markets or whatever. But yeah, so financially prudent is like I've always, you know, luckily for me, finances have just been a hobby that I've been interested in, you know, and that's a critical thing to, to actually understand because everybody's got their thing they're into. You know what I mean? Some people like running marathons. I I don't. I, I would never run a marathon. I don't even like exercising. You know, it's just not my thing. Now, running marathons is a pretty good hobby and that it will likely extend your life because it promotes good health. One of my hobbies is money. I just like, you know, investing. I like finance. That's a good hobby to have because it produces just, you know, good results. If your hobby, <laughs> I jokingly say, is like sea do's, you know, that's... <laughs> maybe not gonna do is good for you in the pocketbook, but who knows? Maybe, maybe the joy factor lot of is so great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh I probably should get into C doing actually now that I mentioned. So anyway, I've luckily always been into finance, but it's it's proven to be a beneficial thing. And really like the critical thing for me is like you start tracking your money early, you know, in college, even in high school. It in most people when I Bring this up to them like, well, especially young people, they're like, well, I don't I don't have a lot going on. You know, why why do I need to buy? And I'm like, that's when you should start building the habit because it's super easy to do. It'll take you like five minutes. You know, just get in the habit. And that way when you do have more going on, it's not this whole hurdle you have to overcome. But you gotta track your money, you gotta, you know, treat your life like a business. Income, expenses, you need to make more money than you spend, so you 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 know, you have you're in the black. And you should start that very early. Then business minded is like, I think ultimately people by and large can and do much better by owning a business. I mean, that's just the, the reality I think of life. It's like you can control your income more. You can control your taxes more because people who do regular salaried work pay more in taxes as a W-2 employee. And, you know, you, you also have other abilities to take advantage of other things like, for example, the what your business spends on rent can be turned into a real estate investment. But not everyone can own a business. It, it doesn't lend itself to every profession. So I think, though, you do need to be business minded, even if, you know, you have a quote unquote regular job and that I always thought of myself as the business of Joe DeSanto, even when I had a a regular job, it was like, I want to produce, you know, the best product, you know, for the money. So I am the product, my pay is the money. The more I think about me as a business and wanting to treat my client and and make them as happy as possible, the more likely they're going to want to give me more money and give me more responsibility. Because the reality is the majority of the money you're going to make and for most people in their life is going to be through their work. So you need to focus on making as much money out of your work as possible. I think if you not, you know, aren't going to start a a full-fledged business. If you can do a side business of some kind where you can, you know, validate having a business entity, you can get a, a lot of tax benefit out of that, and you should do that because you will be able to write off a lot more of your regular life stuff than you will be able to otherwise. And by and large, the biggest bill we all pay every year is our tax bill. And if you can reduce that tax bill by taking, you know, advantage of the tax law that is on the books, you should do that. Like you can be saving often $5,000 in a year, maybe 10, maybe 20. I just saved some clients $20,000 each on their 2019 tax bill. You do that for 10 years in a row and that money has been compounding with some kind of investment, you know, that's going to be worth a lot in 10 or 15 years. So I really think you should put the effort to – do the best of your work, of course, start a business if you can. And if you can't do a hybrid, you know, like create some kind of business entity where you can get both, make some extra money, number one, but, and, and then have some tax benefit. And then the investment focus part is okay. You have money, you got to save it and it's got to work for you. And so you have to invest it and get a return on it. And the question is where, you know, I've always invested in real estate and Part of my, you know, real estate and all is expensive, right? So, like, I, I also believe in owning a house. I really think that, you know, people should own a house. Currently, the government incentivizes us greatly to own a house through the tax benefits we get. And I don't look at a house as, like, your greatest expense, like Robert Kawasaki famously said in his book. I look at your house as an investment. It's investment in real estate that you happen to be the tenant of, You're going to be paying for housing any way you slice it. And unless you're going to live at home for your entire life, or you're going to get in a rent control place or somehow pay under market rent forever, you're going to be most likely paying market rent. You should translate that expense into an investment because it's the primary expense outside your tax bill that's going to cost you most of your money and own a house. And, you know, people always talk about like owning real estate is a great investment, but the reality is owning a house is actually that you live in is actually an even better real estate investment because of the tax benefits you get from the government. So I look at it as you're renting, you're just renting a property that you own. And then when I owned a business, I was like, hey, this whole owning a house thing makes so much sense. Well, we we're renting, you know, a office for our business. Like, and two years in, luckily we were, it was going pretty good and we were gonna need a bigger place. And we were really looking at having to do a renovation. And I was like, we're looking around at leases. And like, I'm looking at commercial leases and these spaces are just raw. And I'm like, so do they, you know, do they fix up the place for you? The, the, You know, the realtor guy is like, no, no, you have to do that, dude. I mean, it's your place. You customize it. I'm like, wait, so I'm going to spend like a half a million dollars to like update some other guy's place that doesn't make any sense i wouldn't do that like at my home i wouldn't if i was renting an apartment i wouldn't go do construction in it so i'm like well i think we're gonna have to buy a place so we just took the same tenant of owning a house we bought the building that our business was in and we did that twice in a 12-year period And, and we made a lot of money with that and the way i look at real estate is like you know the less you do, the less you're going to make. So turn to real estate, and I got a lot of information about this on my website, you know, it's going to be more akin to producing returns that the public markets produce. I think it will do better and has done better for me, but, you know, you can debate that. When you actually put a lot of work into real estate, i.e. do a renovation, you know, or expand the square footage, whatever it is, and you invest a lot of your time, you're very more likely to get more money out of it. So I look at my houses, and the, and the real estate, are business occupied from this point of view. And I like, look for a deal where I can create value through renovations. You know, with the house, I call it the live and flip. You buy something that's got potential for improvement. You do the improvements while you live there. And then with the business, it's kind of the same thing. You're, you're buying a place with potential for improvement. You do the improvements, you get the advantage of them while you're there, and then you get the appreciation value. So, those two things as far as the real estate goes actually paid off the best. Whether you choose to do your investments by owning the house you live in or, you know, buying a real estate-free business or just, you know, being in the market, public markets, you have to take that savings that you're stocking away and it's gotta make money for you. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's gonna make a lot for you. You never know. You know, I think I like real estate because I always felt like stock market is like this chasm of, I don't know, like, I don't know what's going on in there. There's like so many players in there. There's so many trapdoors, and no one's really looking out for you. You are just putting your money into the system and you're hoping it works out. And a lot of people are like, no, I, I invest only in companies that I think the products are amazing. And this, I'm like, you don't, I I'm always like, I'm a bit of a cynic. I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. You just got lucky. You bought <laughs> Tesla. You got lucky. It doesn't matter that you own the car. You don't know if Elon Musk is going to drop dead tomorrow and the stock is going to take. There's so many things that could happen. You you have no idea, you know, and I know for sure you don't go reading the annual financial reports and get on the call and actually understand any of that. You're just guessing. Let's be honest. And I'm glad that you guessed well and it worked out. <laughs> but I would like real estate cause like, I'm like, it's simple. You know, it's like, I know it's in a house. It's four major systems. You got a roof, you got a heater, you got a hot water tank, you got some plumbing. People always need housing. You know what I mean? There'll always be a market for it. The appreciation of it has been very consistent and steady. It's a bankable asset. Like there's just a lot of stuff to to me. You know, I feel more secure having my money in there. It's not to say it can't go wrong. It certainly can, you know, but I know I can make more informed judgments about a piece of real estate than I can about, you know, the hottest, latest stock.
0: It's a great breakdown of the way that you've built wealth. And then it sounds like, from your opinion, a great place to start if people are just getting along this journey is to definitely track their income and their expenses like a business to make sure that they are not only making more money, but also utilizing that money and investing it for the future. So Joe, I really appreciate this conversation today. It's been very helpful for me to hear your background as well as everybody else who's listening to. Where's the best place for people to connect with you and learn more about what's going on in your world?
1: My website's is playlouder.com. Our, our tagline is work smarter, plan better, play louder. And uh, that's what we've done and we're doing. On the website, essentially, there's just a lot of resources, you know, expanding and all the things I just talked about. It's all free stuff and just blog posts that I've written covering all these areas. So and then I have a few free courses, actually, that I have in the Teachable platform about budgeting about real estate investment analysis and about incorporating yourself. And actually we just expanded the free course into a longer paid course. It's actually pretty inexpensive nonetheless, but that course, if you are a freelancer or you're thinking about side business talks about the benefits of incorporating, why you should do it. And, can walk you through the whole process of doing it yourself, you know, inexpensively. So that's something to check out if, you, if you're if you on the business-minded component of all this. And then, you know, I have social medias and all that too, but frankly, I'm not that good at the social medias. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm just old enough where I'm like, ah, social media. It's so hard. <laughs> so just go to my website.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Playlouder.com. Is that right? That's it, man. Excellent. Joe, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Taking chances and making big changes for your family can be really rewarding. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Joe DeSanto. Number one, dream with your spouse. If you're feeling stuck with your current situation and want something more out of your life, think about what that life looks like. What changes would you make? Why would you make them? What will you do with that extra time that you have? And how will that affect your family life? Use these questions and more to learn about what your internal motivation is and how life could be different. And it's a lot of fun to do with the love of your life. Number two. Research new locations for geo-arbitrage. That's just a fancy term for finding somewhere cheaper in the country to live that can maybe still give you the same quality of life. So could your life be better somewhere else in the country? Could you have more time for family and fun and enjoyment if you found a lower cost of living area? I know a lot of families right now are looking to leave their current location and consider moving closer to family or just finding a lower cost of living place to be because COVID is kind of crazy right now. So yes, that, that has a factor into it, but also just for more quality of life. If you can have a greater life somewhere else for a lot less money, could you make some changes with your career, your family situation to be happier today? So do some research and find your happy place. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. Just like Joe, you can pack up and try it again. Think of it as a family adventure. Number three, don't put off your happiness until retirement. If you're thinking, when I retire, I'm going to travel more, or I'm going to learn an instrument, or I'm going to learn another language, I would ask you to challenge yourself to see if you can do those things in the next year or the next five years instead of the next 30 or 40 years or however long it's going to take you to retire. You are not stuck in your current situation. Make some changes, take some risks, and find your happy place. From someone who is currently seeking that happy place, I can attest that the journey is just as fun as the destination. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do one quick favor for me. Please text two of your friends about this show. Your personal recommendation would mean the world to me as I am growing this podcast and trying to reach more families. So find your favorite episode, hit the share button in your favorite podcast player, send it over to them and let them know why you like it. That one-minute favor would be a great way to support this show. Thank you so much for considering it. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Chris Gardner. The world is your oyster. It's up to you to find the pearls. Your happy place is out there, my friends. Let's go find it. Carpe diem.